in our gospel reading today from Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, where where we've got a series of parables demonstrating God's love and care and concern for the lost. He starts with one sheep out of 100, and then one coin out of 10, and then one son out of two. And as with most portions of Scripture, this is also one of those areas that, that you might look at it and you might see the events that are going on here. And it would be very simple for somebody outside of the church or somebody even with a misunderstanding from within and among God's people to look at this and say, well, I see what Jesus is doing here. And as a result, we should have a different attitude. All the tax collectors and sinners were coming to Jesus to hear him. And he was spending time with them. And the Pharisees and the experts in the law were complaining, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And that's the thing about the way that we practice our faith. That no matter what you do, as long as it has been thought out thoroughly according to the word of God, no matter what you do, it still can be misconstrued and misunderstood. That you and I know that actions speak louder than words, but words are necessary for explaining the actions. Consider the actions that Jesus could have taken here. Here were these these tax collectors and other people with well-known sins in their present or in their past. And Jesus could have walked on by to sit with the Pharisees Those who had always been here, those who had been very faithful, who had been very committed, and who seemed so devoted to God's law that they made up their own laws in order to not break God's law. That's what Jesus could have done. But the impression that he would give and what those actions would have said would not have been in line with the word of God. He goes to these tax collectors and sinners, and and then the Pharisees are like, look what he's doing. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about the reputation of these people. He doesn't care about what they have done or what they are doing. He's got to just step in there and correct them, and they have to change their behavior before they come to Jesus. If they want to be a member of this, this faith and this religion, actions speak louder than words. Words are necessary to explain the actions. And that with an understanding of the the context that Jesus has here, we see that on the one hand, he isn't making a, a, a change in your life a condition for the faith. He's not saying, I'll come and I'll spend time with you or I'll welcome you to our congregation if and only if You change your life. But he's also not leaving the tax collectors and sinners there to think that that everything was hunky-dory. He goes to them. And he addresses them with the word of God. And he addresses the same Pharisees with that same word of God. And he addresses them in a series of parables so that they can't miss the point. That this Jesus, through whom all things were made... This Jesus cared equally for each one of his creatures. That this Jesus had come to shepherd his flock with justice, to seek out the lost, and to correct those 
those sheep as Ezekiel describes it in chapter 34, to correct those who were shoving the weak ones further away from the food. If you have a few minutes to look at Ezekiel chapter 34, it would be well worth your time. But the point that Jesus has here is that both to those who would disregard his grace and to those who would say you have to have a change in order to be a Christian, Jesus addresses them both as the lost. And he addresses it in such a way so that the Pharisees would understand first that each of these three parables, yes, they provide a very vivid understanding and a very vivid example of God's care for the lost, of the one in 100 sheep, of the one in 10 coins, and the one in two sons. But they are spoken primarily to the Pharisees, to those who are so confident in their own righteousness that they didn't think that their standing depended on God's grace at all. They thought that it depended entirely on their own work. And both to them and to us, Jesus cuts through all the clutter and the chatter to demonstrate the same sort of love and care and compassion. He doesn't, he doesn't dismiss the concerns of the Pharisees. And he doesn't condone the sins of those sitting around him. But he demonstrates the same sort of love and joy that he has whenever any person is found. Consider this. Which of you, if you have 100 sheep and lost one of them, would not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that was lost until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors and tells them, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. A flock of 100 and a 1% loss, well, it wandered off. It's that same sheep that, that keeps wandering off. 1%, that's not so bad. And why? Why, did this, why does this shepherd leave the 99 in order to go find that one? Because he cares about each one individually. And the care that he has for each one individually is of such a sort that he doesn't want even one to be lost. And that image of carrying the lamb home on his shoulders, there's probably a little bit more to that. That when he would find the lamb, especially if it was a young lamb, he would take his rod and he would break the front legs of this lamb so that it wouldn't be able to walk. That it needed to be carried that it needed to be carried back to the flock, that it need to, needed to, to sleep by the shepherd day and night, to be carried to water and to new pasture, needed to be carried back and forth to anything and everything that it needed, so that as the leg healed, and after the leg healed, that lamb had come to, to know and to love the shepherd and to hear the shepherd's voice. And we look at these parables of Jesus. And I think the very first thing we do have to dispel is the popular idea that Jesus simply ate with tax collectors and sinners as though it didn't matter. That he didn't eat with them to simply condone their behavior. 
but to give the word of God a chance to work. That he didn't simply eat with them as if to say it's not a big deal and God doesn't care about that anymore. But he needed to be able to communicate and talk with these people to demonstrate the care that God has for each and every one that he has created. And the other side, that when Jesus talks and speaks this parable to the Pharisees, he wants both groups to come to this understanding of God's joy, of the joy that God has, of the rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over even one sinner who repents. Then each of us, each of us can see ourselves as that one who has wandered away, that each of us can humbly admit, I've sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, and maybe even more specifically from within the confines of our own heart, that each of us can recognize that this, this land that wandered away is far more close to me than I would like to admit. And the, the wandering can happen even when the physical body hasn't gone very far at all. But the heart wandering away and wanting something else. The heart saying, I know what I need. And the heart saying, this is the sin and the idea that I'm going to hold on to. We see that. But I want you to focus your eyes on the actions of that shepherd. That shepherd who cares so much about even you who cares so much about, yes, your loved one also, that he left the 99 to go over hill and across the river to find that lamb. That shepherd who cared about each one individually to such a degree that he left the 99 in the open field to go after the one who had wandered off. That shepherd who had promised to shepherd his flock with justice and who cared about you, each one individually, to such a degree that he left his throne in heaven to lay down his life. To use that word. Yes, perhaps to, to break your legs, so to speak. Or bring you to that state of repentance because repentance is only worked by the word of God. That shepherd who cared about you so much to carry your sin in mind, to replace you and bring you back into his flock and take our wandering upon himself and to suffer all the wrath that that deserved. That Jesus isn't there with the tax collectors and Pharisees to condone their sin. He's there to carry it. And he's not there telling these three parables to the Pharisees in order to thumb his nose at them, but to call them to repentance also and to focus their eyes and ours on the joy, on the joy of this Jesus Christ redeeming you and me from a danger that we would have never otherwise perceived. To focus our eyes on the joy of rescuing you and me from the danger of wandering around and totally open to every spiritual attack to rescue you and me from the danger of being sucked into the popular ideas of our day and disregarding the word of God in his Bible. That this same Jesus had such joy in finding 
finding even one. Come, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. The water trickles off the head in holy baptism. And the angels sing in heaven even as the baby cries at the font. Come, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I emailed um, a friend who had been visiting our church for a while. And she said, well, we've moved, Pastor Hagen, but hopefully I'll see you this Sunday. Come, rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. Toward the beginning of every month, I try to you know, visit as many of our shut-ins as I can. Usually get to about 10 in the space of two days. Hopefully 15. <laughs> and some of them, for one reason or another, hadn't been visited in quite some time. And to be able to sit with them and to, to pray with them and to share the word of God with them and to even have this person that, that in one case, um, the, the nursing staff had described as, well, you know, she's got dementia and she just sleeps most of the time. And we got to the Lord's Prayer and she folds her hands. And I finish with the blessing and she says, that was wonderful. And then she rolls back to sleep. Come rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. That a little over four years ago, I stood in this very pulpit for probably the first time. And I told all of you that, you know, my priority here isn't you. It's those who aren't here. It's those who are on our membership rolls that we don't see here in church. It's those who have joined us at the Lord's table, who have stood before his altar, and who have said that I would rather die than give up my faith. And those same ones who a year and a half later are saying, well, I'd rather go to my son's soccer game than give up my faith. Just kidding. I'm going to the soccer game. And the attitude. The attitude of our Lord that says, come rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. Because if the attitude is anything else, if the attitude is that of the Pharisees, that we've got to toe the line, and why does Jesus have such grace and concern for these who don't care for him? If the attitude is anything except that joy that our Lord has in distributing his forgiveness, then it would be very easy and very simple to throw up our hands or get frustrated, to feel burnt out, or to say, what's the use? As though, as though you and I would be just trying to push a boulder up a hill only to have it roll down even further. All the work, all the calling, all the contacting, and what are the results? Well, the results are up to God. The responsibility for sharing that word of God is up to us. But the attitude at every stage Come rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. Come rejoice with me, I found my lost coin. More rejoicing before the angels of God in heaven over one. Not a hundred or a thousand. Each one individually. Because that's the love and care and concern that Jesus has for you. That's the love, care, and concern that Jesus has for me. Each of us, one of his sheep, each of us equally lost, not remembering the other 99, or in our congregation's case, the other 302, I think. But the attitude that this Jesus who, who sought out his sheep would continue to shepherd his flock with justice, 
with a perfect division and application of both law and gospel, both to the Pharisees who disregarded God's grace and relied on their own performance, and to the tax collectors and the other sinners, whoever they were, who disregarded God's grace and relied on their own definition. And to both, Jesus says, do you see the joy that he has in carrying and forgiving sin, in seeking out and saving the lost? That that is the attitude that Jesus has for you, and that is the attitude that Jesus wants for you. And that's what we try to carry out in our work here together. We've got um, every, every Sunday after church, well, during the church service, maybe you see this, that one of our elders takes attendance on, on an iPad so that we can use the, the same like database. It's a secure database that Concordia Publishing House had put together. And every Sunday we take attendance on who's here so that we can contact those who aren't. And then every Sunday after that attendance is, is um, completed, and I kind of double-check it, then I send a number of names and phone numbers to, to Trey Clements, who's actually sitting over there. Not to push you on the spot, Trey, but I will. I send uh, a few names and numbers to Trey, and then he, he shares a few of those with um, a couple of people in our member encouragement committee. And the names and numbers are usually people who have been here, you know, in the last couple of months, but we haven't seen them in, in a month or two. In the hope that, in the hope that we can reach out to those before they stray too far from the flock. And I know that the rest of our elders do a similar thing. But the task now before all of us is, is greater than that. That with, um, in the space of a year, we've gone from a congregation of about 160 to a little over 300. And even though we would double in size, that's like quadruple the amount of reaching out to the lost that has to happen. That we've got an opportunity, and I'd like your help with that. I know that a few of you have mentioned this to me already, that you would be able to help. But the question, and if we're on your way out today, you're shaking my hand, and you, if this is something you want to do, let me know. Otherwise, my contact information is down here. Could you follow a script and call, I don't know, five or six homes and say, hi, this is, you know, George from Resurrection, and Hosanna or Zion merged with Resurrection in the last year, but we haven't seen you at worship. And just follow a script to find out where are these people now? Where are the people that Jesus has brought to his altar? Have they, have they moved out of the area? Have they found a different church? Have they had a crisis? Or have they just given up entirely? Because the work is something for all of us. But the attitude is something for all of us first. That Jesus rejoiced in leaving the 99 behind, in leaving the 100 behind and going to the cross by himself. That Jesus rejoiced in laying down his life to seek and to save the lost. That Jesus rejoiced to shepherd his flock with justice. That Jesus rejoiced to carry that sheep home on his shoulders. That Jesus rejoiced to correct both the Pharisees and the tax collectors. The Pharisees who relied on their own performance, the tax collectors who relied on their own definition, 
that Jesus rejoiced in bringing you here to hear that same word of God. That Jesus rejoices to give you your forgiveness again in a way that is tangible and tasteable, where he says to you, each one individually, your sin is forgiven and you have life with the shepherd. Amen. Amen.